Welcome to the Maybe I Can podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Weiss. I'm here to motivate and inspire you to stop using your circumstances as an excuse, just like I used to. An excuse to not take control of your life. It's time to stop living your life on autopilot and start taking purposeful action to create the life you truly desire. Let's do this together. Hello, and welcome back to the Maybe I Can podcast. I'm Debbie Weiss. I'm your host, and uh, so glad you're here. So as we start off on this journey together, I think that it's important for you to know a little bit about me and how I actually came to this moment of sitting here and talking to you. You see, just several years ago, I discovered just how powerful it is to open your eyes to all the possibilities that await us in this life. And when I realized that, I thought, how could I have gone through however many years, probably 50 or so years, without realizing this? I'm just a regular person living a regular life. I'm riding the same roller coaster ride as you are. Yeah, so maybe our peaks and valleys might not be the same. I'm sure they're not. But the point is, we all have them. And so I think it's important for you to just get a picture of who I am and why I'm doing this in the first place. I'd love to know who you are too. So anytime, I am always available via email at Debbie at DebbieRWeiss.com. So drop me a line and let's get the conversation started. But in the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And I'm going to start with my childhood because our childhood really affects who we are as adults. Now, obviously, yeah, we all know that, that our upbringing makes a big difference. But I think what I didn't realize is so many of the lessons or messages that I was sent as a child still affect how I live my life today. So for me, my big thing, my lifelong struggle has always been my weight. I was born chubby. Of course, Back then, eight pounds and however many ounces I was, was chubby. I don't know about that. I have one of my sons was 10 pounds, 11 ounces. That seems a lot more chubby to me. But anyhow, I was born at 1140 a.m. My parents used to always joke, oh, yeah, you were born right in time for lunch. When I look back, it's so funny when you look back at pictures and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I thought I was huge. And then I look and say, No, I wasn't. What was I thinking? Why did I have so many hangups about my weight? It seemed to really start at such a young age. I have memories of being in preschool and feeling self-conscious. I have no idea when and how that started, but I was always trying to just kind of hide myself because I didn't want anyone to see me. I knew that I was different because I looked at all the other girls and saw what their bodies looked like. I remember even at that young age being uncomfortable to put on a bathing suit, which is just so crazy. Maybe it started in elementary school, all the bullying, the teasing, the nicknames, thunder thighs, big mama. Oh gosh, there were just so many. And it seemed like 
everywhere I turned, my weight played a part in my life. I couldn't or didn't want to go swimming with my friends in a group because I didn't want to have to put a bathing suit on. I was a slow runner and it seemed like that was always spotlighted back then in gym class. People would make fun of me. Early on, I realized that, hey, if I make fun of myself first and I laugh at myself first, it'll make it easier. So that's what I did. I spent my childhood just poking jokes at myself, but yet when I was alone, just feeling so broken and never understood why me. I used to always question, why did this have to happen to me? Now, a days, unfortunately, there are more young girls and young everyone, young and old that struggle with their weight. But back then, there weren't that many of us. And so I feel like I stood out even more. And then to make matters worse, I was a fat kid. And please don't be insulted when I say that because I use that word. Feel like I just say what it, I say it how I see it. And so please don't be offended by that. But I was really chubby, but I was a fat girl in a skinny family. And that was the worst because none of them could understand. My mom was tall and very slim. My father was also, you know, regular weight. And then I have a brother who's four years younger. He was a string bean. You know, they couldn't understand what I was going through. My parents, of course, wanted to help me, but really they didn't know how. I can remember I don't know, being maybe eight or nine, starting to diet. And back then, dieting was severely restricting what you could eat. My family used to hide food from me. And that was the worst. They would, you know, candy or cookies, cake, I don't know, any kind of thing that you would, I think, consider a treat. You know, they still wanted to bring in the house for themselves but they didn't want me to have it and they didn't want me to find it. So cookies is what really comes to mind would be hidden. And I learned all the hiding places. It was in our walk, in our oven, in cabinets hidden. And you know what would happen? I would find that bag of cookies and I'd say to myself, okay, I'm only going to have two. And I'd start with two. And then the next thing you know, I'd look at the bag and there were only two left. I think I just was afraid I would never have the opportunity to see a cookie again if I didn't eat these cookies. And then when I would look in the bag and I would see that there were only two left, this intense feeling of shame would come over me. And then dread, shame because, oh my gosh, I would tell, I would say the worst things to myself that I would never even think to say to a friend. I would berate myself, tell myself what a pig I was because I couldn't control myself and I ate practically that whole bag of cookies. And what is wrong with me? And then I had dread because the bag of cookies only now had two cookies left. And I knew what was going to happen. Somebody, one of the three of them, would find the bag of cookies with only two left and the questioning would start. Who ate those cookies? Who ate all of those cookies? I looked there yesterday, my mother would say, and it was a full bag. And then sometimes I would lie. And come on, they knew that I was lying. But I just couldn't take that feeling of shame. It, it just continued. 
it just continued. It was a game that we played and I know that they were all trying to help me because they saw how I was tortured by my body and how I just, you know, suffered and so desperately wanted it to change, but yet, you know, not knowing how. And since none of them, and I'm going to use my mother, because let's face it, moms are the ones typically who handle, I want to say these kinds of things, but come on, moms handle everything. And so the only way my mom knew how to try and help me was to try and put me on a diet. So I think I was 10 when I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting. Actually, Weight Watchers was still pretty new back then. And I remember going to a meeting and my mom was with me and literally they told you what to eat. And it was basically lettuce and tuna fish. Well, I don't like tuna fish. So that was a big problem. It then turned into my breakfast was two pieces of Melba toast. I don't know if you know what Melba toast are. I, I don't even know. I can't believe that they're still out there. I wonder what I'd love to hear if there's anything good that you can do with Melba toast because it's just dry and super crunchy. It crumbles all over the place. And two pieces, if you're not familiar with Melba toast, is not a lot of pieces. They're little teeny things, almost like maybe a double cracker. Anyhow, so I would get to have two pieces of Melba toast. And then we had like this diet fake craft American cheese. And I'd take one slice and cut it in half and put one slice on each of the pieces of Melba toast. Just thinking about it makes me just sick. I can never eat a piece of Melba toast again. It really was not satisfying. I was hungry. I went to school hungry after eating that. And then I would have the lunches that were packed and I would be eyeing my friend's food. I mean, come on, who wanted to eat like this as a young girl? It was awful. And it usually wouldn't last long. Of course, I'd find the bag of cookies or the snacks or whatever it was, and I'd gorge on them because I didn't know when I was ever going to get any more. Oh, oh my gosh. It was so awful. Then I would be crying to my mother that I failed again at this diet and I had no self-control and I hated being fat. And it was, it was just a cycle and it just continued. You know, my identity became the fat girl. I had a good sense of humor. And like I said, I would poke fun at myself. So I probably, you know, I think people knew me as having a good sense of humor. The other thing I was known for is I was quote unquote smart. Basically, I was just a good student. And that was something that became an identity of mine. Um, at least if I had to be fat, I was smart. People would look at me going back to the fat thing and, and adults would look at me and they'd say, oh, it's such a shame. You have such a pretty face. And that was one of those backhanded compliments like, oh yeah, you have a pretty face, but take a look at the rest of you. And you know, as I got older and hit puberty and had crushes, on one boy after another. They didn't have a crush on me because of the way I looked. It didn't matter if I was smart. It didn't matter if I was funny or I had a pretty face or a good personality, which I, <laughs> I guess if I do say so myself, I think I was 
fairly and am fairly a likable person. And I know that all these boys, these boys that I had crushes on, they loved to spend time with me and talk to me as a friend, but they would never see me as anything more than a friend because of my body. And I knew it was obvious that if I was thin, then they would have considered me as a love interest instead of a friend. And it was just another group of people reminding me or reinforcing the fact that I am just not good enough. I'm not worthy. I should be ashamed of myself for allowing myself to continue to have a weight problem, for gorging myself on bags of hidden food. It, you know, even now at the age of 59, just talking about it, I can really feel those same feelings. I'd love to know, again, maybe weight isn't your issue, but I would bet that there's something, right? There's something that you can think of that in your childhood really affected you and helped you become the person that you are today. You know, I have friends who felt that they weren't smart and friends who as children didn't have a lot of friends or, um, you know, maybe you were the tall one and you were teased and bullied for that and felt out of place. I don't think any of us get away unscathed. It's just really then what we do with those limiting beliefs. These are beliefs that we, you know, were formed at a very young age, really up until the age of seven, things that you experience and all of the teachers, parents, friends, relatives, anybody that you come in contact with are sending you these messages that you take with you. And a lot of us don't even realize that we have those subconscious thoughts I didn't know. How often do we sit back and examine our lives? I mean, for me, it wasn't very often, right? We're just going through the day to day, trying to get by, just, you know, checking off the next to do list. Life just roller coasters like that. I mean, at least that's how it happened for me until, you know, something shifted. And I realized I didn't have to stay on this roller coaster. More to come on that next time. I'm going to end it here for now to say, I'd love it if you take a few minutes and really think back to some of those moments in your childhood that have really impacted the way that you see yourself. And maybe you're someone who is aware of it, that you know that those beliefs have played into who you are today. But it's really worth the exercise of taking the time to think about it. And you know, listen, when I would listen to somebody, when I would listen to a podcast and they'd tell me to do something or write something down, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd never do it. I'd never, never. It was just, I don't have the time to do that. Okay, I'm listening to this in my car. That's it. Very nice, nice story until the next time. But you know what? <laughs> Real growth only comes by doing the work. So if nothing else, if you get no other message, I implore you, take the time alone, no distractions, and really you know, journaling, writing it out, even if it's not something that you have done in the past, it's a great tool. But 
If you don't want to go that far, just literally put yourself back in that place of your childhood and think, you know, some of these beliefs are obviously positive, but try and really identify what those beliefs are and see if you can figure out how they're impacting you today. I really appreciate you being here. I'm looking forward to the next time that we get together. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, you've always had the power, my dear. You've just had to learn it for yourself. Until next time.